0: to another episode of The Killjoy Guide, the weekly left feminist podcast for the 99%. I am your host, Killjoy Meg. Please rate and review The Killjoy Guide on your favorite podcasting platforms. You can support the show through Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash killjoyguide. Anchor.fm slash killjoyguide. Today, we are going to be talking about female sexuality. And for this conversation, I would like to introduce Dr. Lori Mintz. Dr. Mintz is a feminist author, therapist, professor, and speaker whose life's work has been committed to helping people live more authentic, meaningful, joyful, and sexually satisfying lives through the art and science of psychology. She is a tenured professor at the University of Florida where she teaches the psychology of human sexuality to hundreds of undergrads each year. She also teaches and mentors graduate students in both clinical and research training. Um, she has published over 50 research articles in academic journals and six chapters in academic books. She has received numerous professional and teaching awards. She is a fellow of the American Psychological Association, including that for her work has a positive influence, national influence on the field of psychology. She is the author of two popular press books, both written with the aim of empowering women sexually. The first is Becoming Cliterate*: Why, Orgas- Why Orgasm Equality Matters and How to Get It, and A Tired Woman's Guide to Passionate Sex, Reclaim Your Desire and Reignite Your Relationship. With this, with the same goal of providing scientifically accurate sex-positive information to enhance female pleasure, Dr. Mintz also writes a popular Psychology Today blog. She also gives... Uh, presentations and workshops to professionals and lay audiences and is often quoted in national and international media. She also has a private practice in which which she works with both individuals and couples in general and sexual issues. Please give a warm Killjoy welcome to Dr. Lori Mintz.
1: Hello, nice to be here with you.
0: Thank you so much for joining us. It is a pleasure to have you.
1: I'm delighted.
0: (laughs) Okay, so let's just begin really quick by asking, are women getting fewer orgasms than
1: men? Absolutely. There's something called the orgasm gap, which is what Becoming Clitorate is aiming to close culturally and in individual bedrooms and the orgasm gap is the consistent finding in the research literature that when cisgender women women people born with vulvas and vaginas who identify as women get it on with cisgender men people with penises who identify as uh, men uh the women are having way, 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 way fewer orgasms than the men are. And while this is true in all types of sex, it's especially true in casual or hookup sex. I can provide statistics if you want, but the orgasm Absolutely. gap is okay. So here you go. Cause this really drives the point home in mm-hmm. a study. Um, conducted with about 800 college students. They didn't ask the context of the sex. Was it relationship? Was it hookup? Was it friends with benefits? 39% of women versus 91% of men said they always, or usually always orgasm during a sexual encounter. Whoa,
0: that's quite a gap. 39, 39% versus
1: 91%. Yes. Now, when we have studies that break that down by the type of the sex, So like in hookup sex, um, studies I've conducted show that about 55% of men say they always orgasm during first-time hookup as compared Mm -hmm. to 4% of women. Now, in other studies in the context of relationship sex, the numbers are about 65% versus 95%. So the bottom line is the orgasm gap is the biggest in casual sex. It closes in friends with benefits, closes even further in relationship sex, but it never ever um, closes altogether. In all types of encounters, partnered encounters with men, the women are having fewer orgasms than the men. And the one thing I'd love to add, if I may, is that while some people will tell you that this is because women's orgasms are difficult or elusive, that's mm-hmm. not the tra- that's not true. And how do we know that from other studies? When women pleasure themselves, 95% reach orgasm easily in within minutes. We know how to do it alone, and when women have sex with other women, they are having substantially more orgasms than when they have sex with men. So this tells us it's not women's bodies that's the problem. It mm-hmm. is our culture our cultural institution of the way we do heterosexual sex. I'm not blaming men, I'm blaming culture.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that is a very important point considering you know whenever we even bring up patriarchy, you know they tend to think, oh, feminists hate men. Like no, this has nothing to do with men. It's said we, we are all taught these these structures. We are all taught. oh, female pleasure, not important. And and even in most cases, female pleasure, bad. Because there's a lot of, can you speak to that even a little little bit about like, why do we still have this persistent shame around female sexuality? Because I know I have um, a, a close friend who reached out to me and told me about her family shaming her for even pleasuring herself. So there's just this, this persistent shame that surrounds female sexuality.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And this goes back centuries and centuries and centuries in terms of our devaluing of female sexuality, our fear of female sexuality. And the orgasm gap itself is related to the underlying, to the patriarchy. And by that, in this instance, I mean the overvaluing of male sexual pleasure and the devaluing of sex, female sexual pleasure. And like, here's an example. It is our language that we use when we talk about sex and women's bodies, both reflects and perpetuates that overvaluing of male sexual pleasure that's at the heart of the orgasm gap. Think about this. We use the word sex and intercourse as if they were one and the same. Mm -hmm. And we call everything that comes before intercourse foreplay as if it was just a lead up to the main Mm -hmm. and most important event. When foreplay activities are the type of activities most likely to bring women to orgasm, if the tables were turned and we overvalued female sexual pleasure, we'd call foreplay sex and intercourse Mm -hmm. postplay. But I'm not suggesting that we turn the tables. I am suggesting we equally value women's most reliable route to orgasm as equally sex as men's. And while we're at it, can we please, please, please stop calling our entire genitals a vagina? By Mm -hmm. doing that, we linguistically erase the part of ourselves that gives us the most pleasure the clitoris the external clitoris and instead we are calling our entire genitals by the part that is sexually more useful to men than to ourselves
0: absolutely and i definitely know that as you point out like most women tend to need uh, clitoral stimulation in order to orgasm that's That's one of the the biggest parts that women, part of the sexual experience that women need in order to orgasm. And I think many people are very, they don't quite understand what the clitoris is. So I want to bring up this image of, this is from the artist Sophia Wallace, who created this statue of the clitoris. And I think most people just think that the clitoris is just that little nub at the very top of the vulva, but it's much more than that. Can you go into that a little bit more about what exactly the clitoris is?
1: Yes, I can. And I have diagrams in my book, Becoming Clitorate as well, and a whole chapter dedicated to anatomy. But the bottom line is the clitoris is the largest organ in your genitals, it's only purpose, is, although this is being debated right now, but it's only purpose is sexual pleasure. Um, all The most recent thinking is that all, all orgasms, no matter where the stimulation is occurring, whether it's externally or internally, involves the clitoris. Um, the only part you can see externally are the glands and the hood that cover it, everything else is internal and the clitoris is chock full of erectile tissue, much like a penis, and it is homologous. Like what that means is, you know, when you're developing in utero, the clitoris and the penis are analogous. Um, And in fact, I like to say that a penis is simply a big clitoris. (laughs) And that's accurate actually. that is exactly what it is. And it is, it is, you know, this, depending how you ask the question, the results differ, but most of the recent surveys find that only four to 15% of women can orgasm through penetration alone. The others need clitoral stimulation, external clitoral stimulation, Mm -hmm. either alone or coupled with penetration.
0: Mm-hmm, and I know you've spoken um, in previous news about the elusive G-spot that everybody tends to wanna find and seems to be only able to be found through vaginal penetration. What exactly is the G-spot?
1: Okay, so this would be harder to explain without a picture. So I wish I had one to pop up on the screen like you have there. But okay, the G-spot, and I explain this also in the anatomy chapter of my book, the G-spot is not a magical spot on your vaginal wall. What it is actually, it's called the clitoral urethral vaginal complex. It can be felt through the upper uh, side of your vagina. And it involves, why is it called the CUV, clitoral urethral vagina complex? Because it involves the vaginal wall, part of the clitoris and the urethra. So here's your vagina and on top of your vagina sits your urethra, which is why you can sometimes have the urge to urinate or get a bladder infection with penis and vagina sex. The urethra is wrapped in a sponge. That sponge has been named the female prostate gland. Okay. Mm -hmm. So the G spot is kind of, if you feel it through the vagina, you're feeling the sponge, you're feeling part of the internal clitoris. And here's what we know about it. A couple things. Some women look for it and can't find it. Mm -hmm. Others look for it and they they, uh, find it and it does nothing for them or it's unpleasant. Others look for it, find it, and find it very pleasant or an, an orgasmic. We also know that it may have an evolutionary uh, per, uh, reason for being. That is when you push on it, if you find it, the your pain, your pain threshold will increase. You'll be able to tolerate more pain. So it may be that the baby's head coming out of the vaginal canal pushes on that spot and is that's what it's there for. But... What I also want to say that that uh, Betty Dotson, the late Betty Dotson, who is just a guru of female pleasure said, and I agree with her wholeheartedly, that our, the media hype around the G-spot, like if you can't find it, you're missing out. It's the best <laughs> orgasm ever. Everyone needs to find it. This is setting us back to a Freudian era where we are all searching for this magic spot inside our vaginas. And that just is not how it works. The vast majority of us, those magic spots are on the outside of our genitals, mm-hmm. not the inside.
0: Yeah. And as, and as you can see, even just from this image, those of you who are only listening, it is an image. Um, I will make sure to post it in the audio description of Sophia Wallace's statue of the clitoris. and it, It has like legs and it also has uh, two bulbs, which I assume you would be able to stimulate through like labial or uh, interlip uh, stimulation.
1: Well, yes and no. Okay. Um, Those two bulbs have an enormous amount. And I describe all of this in my anatomy chapter of becoming clitorate in way more detail and with many more pictures than I can do in a podcast. But... Um, the you can like they surround the vaginal canal okay mm-hmm. so you what you're saying is true some theories of the few women who can orgasm from pvi it's but might be because those bulbs are being stimulated also some women pleasure themselves by putting their fingers between their inner lips and pushing quite hard mm-hmm. and if you're doing that you are probably just as you were saying there is a good chance you are stimulating the internal clitoris in the clitoral balls
0: okay that's good to know um and what I, is why is it true though that actually let me uh, steer it to maybe this question did you in your research, when you are studying um, the orgasm gap, did you find any um, racial disparities? among? Because I didn't really I looked it up and I couldn't really find any information about it. Are there also racial disparities among women and the
1: orgasm gap? There's no research on that at this point. Um, Most of the studies conglomerate um, Mm -hmm. people from different races and ethnicities. We do know there are special sexual issues based on culture and upbringing Mm -hmm. and religion and sexual stereotypes, but there's nothing per se on the orgasm gap by racial identification.
0: Okay. And... And how much of it is due to... Even there's this kind of stigma around, as we were talking earlier, about female pleasure. And I'm going to bring up another article here about a very recent uh, conversation that happened online when it was discovered that DC and their new Harley Quinn uh, uh, animated series, they refuse to allow Batman to go down on Catwoman. So let me read this. <coughs> it's incredibly gratifying and free to be using characters that are considered villains because you just have so much leeway. A perfect example of that is in the third season of Harley of Harley Quinn, when we had a moment where Batman was going down on Catwoman. And BBC was like, you can't do that. You absolutely cannot do that. They're like, heroes don't do that. So we said, are you saying heroes are just selfish lovers? They were like, no, it's just that we sell consumer toys for heroes. It's hard to sell a toy if Batman is going down on someone. So what is your reaction to that kind (sighs) of comment?
1: Well, I'm not surprised, Um, Mm -hmm. but it does get at the heart of the orgasm gap and how film and media perpetuates that. Um, There's a great um, handle on social media called the clit test. And um, what they do is they take images um, or movies and they rate them on do they pass the clit test? What's the clit test? An accurate portrayal of female sexual pleasure, her clitoris being stimulated manually or by oral sex. So, and you can't even hardly say the word clitoris on um, TV. If you wanna look at it, I did a a event with Rachel Bloom, the co-creator of the show Crazy Ex-Girlfriend. I love her too. We did uh, a talk together at UCLA. And in that talk, she talks about all she had to go through just to say the word clitoris on television. So we are just so behind when it comes to accurate portrayals of female sexual pleasure in the media. in you know, in in mainstream like porn, which, you know, I'm not against porn, but, you know, there is something called ethical porn versus the kind of things you'll Mm -hmm. find on Pornhub. And if, if there was studies of Pornhub and if women are shown orgasming at all, there's also an orgasm gap on Pornhub. Um, they're shown doing so through false activities, through, you know, no fooling around. The man puts his penis in her vagina and she's instantly having this massive orgasm. Worse are images of anal sex, which is one of the most dangerous in terms of risk of STI and anal tearing and injury, if not done with proper preparation. But in porn, you don't see any of that preparation. And Mm -hmm. we're actually seeing more and more young women ending up in the hospital because they are anally penetrated without any preparation because that's how it's portrayed in porn. So Mm -hmm. tell me to be quiet because once we get into media portrayals of sex, (laughs) oh, I could go on and on and on forever. So...
0: No, you're absolutely right. And I definitely agree with you that so much of media is very much part of that cultural, not like, like for instance, I brought up, you know, Batman can't go down on, on Catwoman. Like, like that is, I think, a great example of bringing up, you know, this uh, dichotomy between men and women of, and it's been shown that men are more likely to receive oral sex than women are. And women are more likely to give oral sex than men are
1: so especially in casual sex mm-hmm. yes
0: yeah so especially and this is even an example of a, a very long-term relationship between batman and Catwoman. it's like okay so batman not only does he get um class privilege because he's incredibly wealthy but also, he also gets orgasm privilege as well like that's you know that's a lot of privilege coming from batman it just proves that batman continues to be a policy problem um because all billionaires are policy problems just so we understand that (laughs) um but there is and even what is with the fact that why are men so why why is that that men seem so reluctant to perform oral sex or clitoral stimulation on women? Or is it a power dynamic or
1: is it just not knowing? Well, first of all, I wouldn't say the research supports the statement that men are unwilling. Mm-hmm. Um, men, there's it depends on the research study and the men. And I don't think we can make blanket statements about mm-hmm. men That's in fair. that way. Um, however, what we do know is there are some men who are reticent to provide pleasure, sec, um, clitoral stimulation, oral sex. Um, if you find one, run, run as fast as you can. Why? Because a man who's not invested in your pleasure in the bedroom is not going to be a good partner outside of the bedroom. Okay. But what about those other men? What the research shows, what we know is that men really want to pleasure women. In fact, um, they are are also not, they're being harmed by all these lies. They have a Mm -hmm. lot of pressure on them to perform, to give a woman an Mm -hmm. orgasm with their penis. And they're feeling a lot of performance pressure And, um, you know, they're misguided. There's even been studies that show that men view women's orgasms like as an achievement, a reflection of their masculinity, all of that. And they're trying really hard, but they're misguided too, because we don't have good sex ed. So where do they get the images of how they're supposed to do this? From porn. And in porn, Women, men are shown lasting long and thrusting hard in order to give a woman an orgasm.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and definitely not just pornography, too, but definitely in movies, television. As like, I know I've seen plenty of scenes in movies and on television. Like, one comes to mind from like the tutors of Henry Cavill, you know, slamming into a woman against a wall and like her coming so easily. It's like, uh, like okay but where it's just like that image over and over again even in a lot of um content created for women as well like I read uh, quite a few um romance and erotic novels and that's something that I'm see. I see a lot of times there as well there is more uh what we would call foreplay and more stimulation trying to get women into and getting them lubricated but still there's a lot of this idea that Women can just cumber easily through vaginal penetration.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's like, I mean, all the images are so, so, so misleading. And in the magazines, too, the articles, like, it, once you start seeing this, you'll really see it. Like, there are so many articles entitled The Best Sex Position for Her Orgasm or The Only Sex Position You'll Need for Her Orgasm. What are they talking about? They're talking about intercourse positions and they're not even mentioning the clitoris at all. And it's very misleading and it leads men to think they have to last long and thrust hard. And I've had way more than one woman tell me she thought her vagina was broken because she wasn't reacting the way she saw the woman in the movies or porn react to penetration. Mm -hmm. So
0: what are some what are the ways that uh women can really like can explore this part of their sexuality Like, what are like what would you suggest for women not only you know to explore their sexuality by themselves but also with a partner
1: okay so what i'm going to do is summarize the what you can do to empower yourself to orgasm And the bottom line is this is all based on empirical literature, on sex therapy literature. I'm also about to describe what are the four intervention chapters in my book, because this is the science on how do you get to be orgasmic with yourself and a partner. So step one, get a mirror, get a picture of a vulva, um, and you can get ones online. There's one in my book um there's them in many books look at yourself identify all the parts because if you don't know what you have how are you going to learn to utilize it it's like operating in the dark okay that's step one it might make you uncomfortable at first because we've been sold this bill of goods that were dirty down there or ugly vulvas are beautiful and they're all different okay step two train this sex organ, the one between your ears. And by that, I mean, identify your sex negative thoughts. They may be conscious. They may be unconscious. Sex is dirty. I'm a slut if I have one. Consciously work on sex positive thoughts when you're not having sex. Now, when you are having sex, turn off that critical self-monitoring brain. Do I Okay, am I going to come? Is he having fun? <sighs> you can't have an orgasm with your mind going a mile a minute. How do you turn it off? A couple ways. You can try fantasy. You can try erotica. I mean, ethical erotica. Mm-hmm. And the best way that we know of so far is mindfulness, which is putting your mind and body in the same place. That's a whole nother topic, but mm-hmm. it's easily... It's very hard to learn, but it also will decrease anxiety, depression, etc. Next step, masturbate, masturbate, masturbate. Get a vibrator, get some lube. Everybody's vulva is, the nerves are positioned a bit differently, and everybody needs something different. So find out what you need, and then... Feel empowered to get that same stimulation alone as you do with a partner. How? With clear, good sexual communication. And, you know, and change the scripts. Get rid of this, you know, this script, we call it, this cultural script of Mm -hmm. foreplay just to get her ready for sex. Sex, male ejaculation, sex over. Try turn-taking models. You come first with oral sex, then he comes with intercourse. Or she, he, you come first with manual or vibrator stimulation, then he comes with intercourse. She comes second. Enough fooling around so that you're aroused enough for intercourse. Because if you aren't, it will hurt. Have intercourse. And then use his hands, your hands, a vibrator. Or... You come together, not the mythical orgasm that occurs at the same time. That's like, that's mm-hmm. a whole other myth. But take your hands, take a vibrator, touch yourself during intercourse. So that is a very short, even though I talked a long time, because there's a lot mm-hmm. to it, but that's a short summary of the things that you can do to empower yourself to orgasm.
0: Yes, thank you. So, I, there were two points that you brought up very uh, right up front is that the first one is, you know, looking at yourself because very often, like even as we were talking about with media, there's all these misconceptions about the female vulva. Like, and it comes to mind, like a scene from sex and the city, for instance, when, when Samantha begins in a same sex relationship with uh, another woman. And the first time that she go down, goes down on her girlfriend. She's wanting to treat, her girlfriend the same way that a man would treat her. So kind of treating sex the way that a man would think about sex and having to learn about how to pleasure her girlfriend in a different way. Cause we have, as we've been saying, these misconceptions about how, to, how we're supposed to pleasure a woman. And second, uh, was that, you know, kind of getting out of, getting out of your own head, as I know, this is just one of my own hangups is that since I have anxiety and also ADHD, I know I have a lot of difficulties, Sometimes, even on my own, getting to orgasm. Sometimes not even being able to because I lo- either lose focus or I become bored. So do you have any suggestions for how to kind of get around those barriers?
1: Okay, well, which barriers? Getting bored or... Um, or when, even leaving right.
0: focus. If it takes too long,
1: for instance. Well, I think don't focus so much. Um, (laughs) If the focusing on the goal of reaching an orgasm is going to make it less likely, just focus on pleasure for until you're not interested anymore. And then if you lose interest, so what? Did you have fun? Was it pleasurable? Mm -hmm. Just take that pressure off of yourself. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, maybe take a break, do something else. Go back and focus on pleasure again. But if you're so focused, I don't want to lose focus. I gotta have an orgasm. That's, you're not going to. Very true. Then how, as you say
0: about the sex positive thoughts, what are some sex positive thoughts? Like I mentioned, my friend who, you know, she feels, she felt a lot of shame even masturbating. How can she get around some of those negative thoughts and thinking that doing what she was doing was shameful?
1: Well, you know, cognitive behavior therapy is known to be very effective. What is it? It's identifying thoughts, stopping them when you think them, and substituting other thoughts. So when she starts feeling shame or thinking, stop, tell yourself, stop gently. Sometimes people even put a little rubber band around their wrist, stop, and they snap it. And then find positive things to say instead. Sex is fun. Sex is a beautiful part of life. Sex is for me. Sex is, you know, uh, fun, pleasurable, like, and find a thought that works for you and say it to yourself. Talk to yourself. Self-talk is not silly. And what we tell ourselves really does have a massive impact on the way we feel about ourselves sexually and in general. hmm
0: And in your book, you have an entire chapter dedicated just to men becoming clitoris. But what are, how can you summarize that chapter for our male
1: audience? Well, it's really a summary of the whole book written for men who have sex with women. And by that, I mean, Mm -hmm. cisgender individuals, because we don't have enough research on gender Mm -hmm. nonconforming people at this point um, to know what works and what doesn't. But there's great people working on that. It's really a summary. It's. It's a summary of women's genital anatomy so you understand where the nerves are. Mm -hmm. Um, It's a chapter that debunks myths so that you can feel less pressured, you know, getting rid of the idea that your penis is essential for her pleasure. And while that sounds like, but it is, I've learned that, Mm unlearn that. And by unlearning (laughs) that, you can have better sex because you can actually provide real pleasure to your partner and then when you are getting having intercourse, you can focus on your feelings instead of feeling pressure. And it also includes communication skills, ways to um, talk to your partner about what she likes, what she wants, that kind of thing. And I'm very proud of the fact, honestly, that there were two studies published in scientific journals, one of men who read that chapter and one of women who read the book. And the women who read the book made changes more orgasmic more communicative more sexually empowered more arousal less sexual pain the men who wrote that read the chapter written for them became more knowledgeable about female sexual pleasure better sexual communicators and they let go of these damaging myths that were inhibiting and impairing and harming their sexual feelings
0: Awesome. And I definitely think that I think masturbation is definitely key here just because not only is it important for both men and women to understand what, um, what they enjoy and what is pleasurable to them and what they don't like as well. Excuse me. Love you. Thank you. you know, what's both pleasurable and unpleasurable to them, but that also makes it easier when it comes to, um, uh, either casual hookup sex or relationship sex, to be able to say, no, I'm not going to do that because I either don't want to do it or I don't find it pleasurable. And, you know, having those boundaries so that once s- somebody crosses those boundaries, we can call it what it is. And that's rape. And sure. did you have something uh, to yeah, say to that? go ahead.
1: Go ahead.
0: So I definitely think that's something that, like is important because I know, as in my own past, that you know I've had my own boundaries crossed and have in feeling like I had to pleasure my ex-boyfriend when I didn't want to, and not having that even given back to me in return and be doing it for no reason except for his own pleasure. So I definitely think that it's important that healthy relationships and communication and everything that you're talking about is very much related to that as well.
1: Well, you know, uh, let me break down what you said. But first, let me say I'm really sorry that you had that experience. And it's extremely common. Um, Mm -hmm. We are taught that sex is something that is done to us rather than we enjoy. We are taught consciously, subconsciously, that his pleasure is more important. And in terms of how this type of sex ed can help prevent sexual violence is I strongly believe that when we teach women to expect sexual pleasure and when we teach women that sex is for them, not done to them, young women will be much more likely to recognize sexual pain and not tolerate it and they'll be more likely to recognize coercive situations right now many coercive situations are simply what we've been taught to expect is normal now in terms of masturbation helping with that i think masturbation can help with that in the sense that it teaches you about pleasure but what is also going to help with that even more is is believing training your brain to believe and really believing that your pleasure is equally important and that you do not have to tolerate anything that you do not want to do sexually ever and you know I went to a um uh the Amber Rose I spoke at the one of the Amber Mm -hmm. Rose slut walks and um, I She spoke, of course, and I love what she said. She said, he can already have his penis in your vagina and you can change your mind. You must be empowered to end a sexual relationship that's not pleasant for you at any time. Now, um, oh, we could go on. That's a whole other topic. Um, mm-hmm. All the while taking into account your safety I mean, and not blaming yourself ever mm-hmm. if you are because sometimes it is life saving to not say stop when you know you're in a bad situation. So I never, never blame a victim. Um, sexual assault is is not sex. It's a form of violence. It is not a form of sex. And if you have been the victim or are the survivor of that please get yourself in therapy with a good therapist who can help you heal from mm. that trauma.
0: Absolutely. And that's actually something else that I was reading about even earlier today is that for, for former victims of sexual violence or survivors of sexual violence, that sex can often first off be very unpleasurable considering you know, you're still healing from that trauma. And is like, do you have recommendations for women who, or, or men as well who have experienced sexual trauma and how to gain back that sex positivity?
1: Well, that's that, that, that there's no simple solution to that. Mm-hmm. Recovering the sex, first of all, if you've been the victim or survivor of a sexual assault, please, please seek help from a very qualified provider, a psychologist who specializes in this. And healing the sexual effects of sexual abuse is something that does occur later in therapy. And um, I can't get into all the details here because it's way beyond the scope of something like this. But what I can say is it really, it's, it's taking back your power. It's about redefining what happened as not sex and creating sex that works for you. It's learning to stop when you're triggered and there's an excellent book called the sexual healing journey by Wendy Maltz that is specifically written for people to reclaim sexuality after sexual assault. There's also a classic book called the courage to heal Mm and the courage to heal workbook. And both of those, um, there is I think only a chapter on the sexual piece, but they help they really are excellent books in terms of overall healing from sexual violence.
0: Awesome. And I, I think that's the last question that I really had for you. Uh, so before we wrap up, where can our audience find you
1: on, oh. on the internets? So you can find me on the internet, my website is com. So just like you're seeing here, Dr. Lori Mintz, but without the period, www.drlauriemintz.com. On my website, you'll find links to my TED Talk. You'll find links to all my social media handles. I'm on Instagram, Pinterest, Twitter, and Facebook, most active on Instagram, and my handle for all of those is Dr. Lori Mintz. And I would love for you to follow me on those channels where I try to provide empowering and hopefully fun and funny sex education in sound bites.
0: Definitely. And make sure to please check out her book, Becoming Cliterate why orgasm equality matters and how to get it. This is a very important book. And it's the one we've been talking about throughout this podcast. So please definitely check that out, become cliterate. make sure that to you empower yourself sexually, whether on your own or with
1: a partner. Absolutely. Thank yeah. you so much for having me on. And it was very delightful to chat with you. Yes, and thank you so much for coming on. It's been an honor having you. It's been fun. Let's let's dismantle the patriarchy and, uh-huh,
0: absolutely. Uh, and close the orgasm gap. Absolutely. With that, so Cat 1, make sure to either get Batman to pleasure you or leave Batman once and for all. You absolutely. deserve better, girl. You deserve better. <laughs> all right, with that being said, this has been the Killjoy Guide, the Left Feminist Podcast for the 99%. I am your host, Killjoy Meg. We'll see you, Killjoys, next time. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of The Killjoy Guide, the weekly left feminist podcast for the 99%. Please rate and review The Killjoy Guide on your favorite podcasting platforms. You can support the show through Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash Killjoy Guide. Anchor.fm slash Killjoy Guide. See you, Killjoys, next time.